if you're not getting, like you said, if you're not getting that volume in the door, something is off. You've got to do your part to get people in the door. It drives me absolutely <laughs> bonkers, especially plumbers. Yeah. Plumbers are probably one of the worst. I mean, it's just yeah. clean up the trash, dude. Stinking plumbers. You are now listening to the Real Estate Everybody Podcast. You see this guy here staring back at you? That's your toughest opponent. Every time you get into the ring, that's who you're going against. I believe that in boxing, and I do believe that in life. Your weekly deep dive into DFW real estate, life, and beyond. With your hosts, Tavis Westbrook and Ashton Hines. Well, good morning and welcome to the Real Estate Heavyweights Podcast, Friday edition. Last week was a great week because I got both uh, episodes out exactly when I said I was going to. So I am trying to do that, uh, pull the curtain back a little bit. We record on Wednesday mornings. We try to get a couple episodes in and then I edit. And so uh, we're trying to come to you Friday and Tuesday. Uh, today's episode is more of the the market update. That's the overview of uh, DFW, the the news that's going on, sort of an update of my life as far as real estate goes and Tavis's life uh, as far as real estate goes. And you may ask, who's Tavis? Well, Tavis Westbrook is a good friend, mentor, uh, a guy I've bought a couple of properties from, and he joins us now. And what's going on, Tavis? Good morning. Good morning, Ashton. Hey, I'm uh, I'm doing well this week, man. This is an exciting week, and you know, it, it, it's awesome that we're doing this. I can't believe that this is uh, this will be twenty one. Yeah, uh, the twenty first episode of twenty one real estate That's heavyweight great. podcast. Not we're bad. Like, we're it, like. We're on our way to a thousand. I mean, geez, Louise, like just steamrolling <laughs> towards a thousand episode thousand. We'll have a great old party. You know, no, you I know, mean, tw- was, 21 episodes is pretty crazy. It was funny. Somebody was talking to me about it the other day and they, they were hanging out with me and they happened to look at it, I guess, pull it up on their phone. They're like, holy crap, you've got 18 episodes already. Like I'm on like number three, you know, like when does this yeah. all happen? Um, you know, you're doing two a week. I'm like, yeah, we're doing two a week. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. thanks to Ashton for spearheading this thing, getting this thing going. But, um, yeah, no, I think it's great. And, um, you know, I, we're getting some good feedback. So if you guys would just, uh, share your feedback with us, let us know if there's anything that we need to change or do differently or, um, some interviews that you you guys would like to hear, um, or some different yeah. topics that, uh, you guys would like us to touch on happy to do yeah, that. So for uh, sure, exciting stuff. Yeah. If you haven't te- check out the, uh, the episode list, we went through a whole series. It ended up being seven episodes of us go- doing a deep dive called it real estate heavyweights university, where we're talking about flipping very in depth. And then we, uh, once a week come to you with these episodes where we're just kind of doing a, a little bit of a take on the news and all that stuff. So to that end, uh, why don't we go ahead and do a little bit of a market update? Um, so the market is changing a little bit. We do this every week. So sometimes it feels like it's not changing, but you know, to be honest with you right now, looking at the entire MLS for the, the Dallas area, which goes over to Abilene and Shreveport and all that randomness that we've covered before. Um, there's actually more homes on the market now than there have been almost all year, but the number of pending sales is at a very near annual low. And so there is a disparity there. And so when you have a lot more supply and seemingly lower demand, lower things happen, you know, lower number of things actually closing and pending, that means that the days on market is starting to creep up. And so 
Uh, we are dang near close to uh, 30 days on market. It's been around the 26-7 at times, and it takes a little bit of time, but it's going up. And so what might happen is, and a lot of people are talking about next year, the Fed has indicated heavily that they're going to try to do things to possibly bring the mortgage rates back down. They don't have a direct impact on the mortgage rates, but they have an impact on the financial system that trickles down to the mortgage rates. And so if the mortgage rates start to slide down some, you better bet that the the flood of people wanting to get into the market, change out those houses that they are tired of for the last two or three years, and uh, you know feel a little bit more comfortable about trading in their two and a half to 3% loans in for maybe like a 6% loan by the end of next year, something like that could be more realistic. So I think I think the activity will increase. What do you think, Tavis? Yeah, no, I, I, I'm hearing chatter from other agents right now. Actually, a lot of people over the last week saying that they're seeing a spike actually in demand and things moving around a little bit. And that could just be, you know, the, you know, December rush, right? People trying to get stuff done uh, by the end of the year. And, um, you know, they're just trying to kind of clean up their plate or, you know, set up their goals for the new year and just try to get things, uh, you know, uh, rounded out for the end of the year going into the new year. Right. Like I, I, I want to buy something new or something new came up. So we need to get our home sold. And, you know, so we're starting to see some of that a little bit. Uh, I think it's still, you know, it's something that we talk about over and over again. I mean, I, I think it's just you got to take a professional outlook on on supply and demand and know what you're doing when you sell the property. I, I think it's, uh, you know, I was talking to, you know, a, a seller this week uh, on a, a traditional deal that I'm taking on. It's actually family related to me. I've talked about it before, but it's in the state that was my aunt and uncle's property and we're getting ready to tee it up and get it on the market. And, you know, we've got to sell this property as is, but we can't sell it low enough to where it makes sense for an investor. So I need to sell it to you know, a family that's willing to take on a home that needs some work, but it needs some work on like exterior stuff. Right. So it may or may not be a lender issue. We'll, we'll kind of decide to, you know, cross that road when we get to it. But I told them, you know, it actually looks much better with everything gone. Right. So they had an estate sale. Everything's out of there. And, you know, this is a family that or this is, you know, a home that's in my family. So I'm used to this home. Right. Um, for the last 20 years so it's kind of weird seeing it vacant but it, it actually like it, it looks big right like i walked in it the other day and like the master suite is huge and i'm like holy cow you know because they had hmm. years of furniture and collections and stuff and it always felt like home to me but it uh you know it looks much better vacant and now it's like hey let's let's go ahead and get this thing cleaned up instead of selling it just as is and it looks like an estate sale let's get it uh, let's at least just get it clean, professionally cleaned. Get the carpets steam cleaned because carpets are in good shape. They're not that old. And stage it, you know. Mm. Spend the money and stage it, even though we've got, like, a deck issue in the back that, you know, the engineer says is not structurally safe to walk on. My thought is let's let's make it look good on pictures. Let's price it right where it's got a yield in it to make up for these, these repairs. It's not an investor, you know, yield but it's a homeowner yield and um sure and and let's go that way with it so anyways we're we're working on the steps to kind of get it on on the market but i mean i feel pretty good about it just from that strategy and it's not something that the normal agent would do i, I don't see hmm. 
many people that would probably recommend staging it, but because uh, mm. it's still got the original like wood stained, uh, you know, family room, right? The wood stained panels, and of okay. course that looks dated. But you know, with a professional stager who knows what they're doing, they're gonna make it look good. And so you take those things out of the equation, and if the inside is move-in ready, then somebody can you know, fall in love with the inside of the home and the location and the price point and then say, hey, all right, we got some things to tackle on the exterior of the home. Not a big deal. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of my, that's my strategy. Yeah. I mean, and in this market, you know, talking about the numbers and, you know, when the supply goes up and days on market go up, you have to make more of an effort to present your house. You have to, you have to do your job to entice people with the pictures and you have to, if nothing else, you just want them to walk in the door. You want them to get that one step closer to come into the door, picture themselves living there and, you know, spend some time there. And so if you can do that by yeah, really good pictures or if you can do that by staging and then they can actually envision what their living room placement should be, um, that's probably what you need to do. You know, uh, when you have a lot of competition, you have to see it that way. You're it's not just as easy as, you know, clicking the, a lot of real estate agents. You know, I think they got used to that for a few years. You can kind of mail it in on some of the fu- the fundamentals as far as pictures and description and all that sort of thing, especially pricing, you know, not paying attention, doing your research. But now you have to be on point. There's not a lot of stuff, uh, mo- you know, there's not a lot of volume right now. There's still things moving, but the things that are moving are the ones that are done really well, you know. So uh, do yourself a favor in this type of market and, and really mind your P's and Q's and do the fundamentals. And if you do that, you can move a house. Well, and, and one of the biggest questions I ask people when they say their house isn't selling or an agent says, yeah, I've got this listing and it hasn't sold yet. You know, how many showings have you had? Yeah, that's usually a big indicator, right? So we go back mm-hmm. to that is what are you doing to get people in the door and, and how many showings have you had? And we've kind of always used the measuring stick of 10 showings, one offer. And you should have 10 showings and you should get one offer out of that ratio. So if your home's been sitting a few weeks or you know, a month or two months and you've had five showings, something's wrong. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's time to fix something, right? Yeah. Um, Our MLS actually tracks that. And, and I just looked it up as you were talking. The average, it says, shows to pending. So these are official shows. These aren't uh, open houses. Yeah. But right now, number is nine. So you nailed it. Yeah. There you go. A few, a few months ago, I think when he first started the podcast, I looked at it and it was 12. But right now, the average number of official showings is nine to get a sale. And and so if you're not getting, like you said, if you're not getting that volume in the door, something is off. You've got to do your part to get people in the door. And then at that point, it's just a numbers game. And, I, you know, for me, uh, from someone who represents a, a, a seller recently, it's like, look, we got a couple showings. It's just a process. We just got to get a few more people indoor, a few more people indoor. So. Yeah, you know the market, Tavis. Who knew? <laughs> you spent that many years in a, a market and you can just rattle off statistics without even really knowing it. So that's pretty awesome. So there we go. Well, today's a little bit different. Um, we do have some news. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? From Dallas, Texas, the flash, apparently official. There's good news and bad news. This is a massive story. Who wouldn't publish it? Man, I've got certain information, all right? Certain things have come to light. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Today's news is not necessarily local or national news. It is news concerning Ashton and Tavis's real estate business. Yay. Uh, There's just been... Yay. uh, There's a ton... (laughs) 
there's a ton happening this week specifically. You know, if every week was like this for me, I would do this full time uh, because I've just had a lot of activity. And so uh, we'll, we're just going to update you on what's going on with our businesses. And uh, Tavis has quite the story to get into. Um, he's been busy in probably not ways he wanted to be busy this week. But for me, I, I'm a realtor. And so I had a listing, Josh and Krista, we mentioned, and we, we listed their house. It got a contract. We went through the option period. And I believe it ended uh, late last week. And now we're pending and it's it's going really, really well. And we have so some of our uh, repair addendum items to, we had one repair addendum item that we, they had 28 points actually that they came to the table with that they wanted us to do. And I had just been through this same situation with my flip over in Richardson where they wanted 21 specific things done, but I had been on the market a little while and I kind of felt obligated to, to take care of some of it. And it was a mistake because now you just had this honeydew list that you've got to rush through and you've got to do it, but you got to do it right. You got to prove that you did it right. And it was just really stressful for two weeks trying to get that house closed. And so I knew going into this one that I'm like, I will really try to strongly advise against doing honeydew things unless it was just crazy easy. So they came to the table with 28 different things that they wanted. There's is a 1978 house. Of course, there's stuff that's a little bit off. And so we actually landed on uh, a concession and then repairing one plumbing item. And so we've been getting contractors over there and trying to work through that. And actually, it turns out that the plumbing issue is, is sort of verging on a design thing because if we fix the plumbing, it's a shower. If we fix the plumbing problem, we're going to actually have to replace them tile. And my statement to the agent was like, you know, we could technically fix this, but it's probably not going to match super great. And I would imagine that the new buyer would at some point in the near future, just want to redo this bathroom. It's not an updated bathroom. So if you're going to go through the process of fixing this pan and some tile, wouldn't she rather just do it on her own? So I, we're working towards actually another addendum to maybe just do that as a no concession. Credit. So there you go. Yeah. Do a credit there at the end. And then that way we can just, we can be done. The other interesting thing about that one is actually they originally started out as financing and they, they they're going all cash. So yeah, we, was it a, um, was it a shower pan issue? Was that the, yeah. Well, de- we haven't the determined factor. We didn't do the specific test yet, but just oh, okay. the anecdotal stuff sort of eliminate, eliminating a few other things. It's most certainly a, a, a pan issue. There's some cracked grout. And when you run the shower, when the inspector ran the shower, that's when they found some issues. We haven't been able to replicate it. That's the only question mark. So we could do the plumbing where we balloon off the drain and, you know, try to fill the pan there. That's how mm-hmm. you would normally do it. But I think we're just trying to work towards, let's just get this over with. And we got a quote for what it would take to fix. And hey, let's just propose that. So that's sure. been fun working through that this week. The other part of that is, you know, Josh and Krista, they're, they're not buying another house. They're going to be renting a house. And so helping them look at rentals all over town has been really eye-opening. And it's cause like, you know, from an investor standpoint, you walk into some of these rentals and the interpretation of what's rent ready for a really similar, you know, because they have their budget. Okay, let's look at this this price point. And so you're going to all these different houses in a pretty small radius, and it's crazy. You know, one house you walk in, it's like, man, I don't, <laughs> I don't know that they were aware that we were going to be here. And um, <laughs> you especially know, especially if like, it's tenant occupied, those are the well, worst. None right? of them, yeah, none of them have been tenant occupied yet. But okay, these are rent ready. Like, hey, you can move in. Okay. And, you know, some of like one yesterday was like old aluminum windows, pretty dilapidated. 
not dilapidated, but like they had just slapped the cheapest hospital white paint on everything and, you know, just done the bare minimum to get it ready for the next person. And then you go into some other ones and, you know, I would be happy to live there. It's like, man, this place is great, you know, and, um, and, but then of course you're trying to rush around and get an application in and on so many of those it's, well, it's already, it's already done. And it's like, look, the people that are trying to squeeze every drop of, of, you know, lemonade out of this one little bitty lemon, trying to get top market dollars for this rental. It just sits there. I mean, we've seen a couple that have been on the market for 60 days. And after a while, you're like, I kind of get it. And then you have a few that have been on for two or three days. And it's like, they just know the system. And when a rental is sitting empty, it's just not making you money. And so you, you kind of just, you know, do your part to get it exactly like what you've been talking about. You get, you do your part to get it ready for the market. You, you know, who's walking through and you just want to get it off the books sign somebody up for another year and move on. So uh, it's really been kind of eye-opening to see yeah. <laughs> see how I mean, some people go in, about it. In 12-month rentals, one-month vacancy is 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 huge. Oh, you know? kill your year. Yeah. I mean, let's talk about it. I don't know what your your, your uh, price point is that you're looking at, but I'm imagining you're somewhere in the you know, $2,000 to $2,400 a month range. Yeah, uh, around 25, 20, 24, 26, somewhere in there, you know, with, yeah. it, so, if we could find a good one in 24, that'd be perfect. Yeah. I mean, if your cash flow is only 200, 300 bucks a month, and that's 2,400 to 3,000 a year, you know, mm-hmm. and you miss one month right now, mind you, your, your, your mortgage payment shouldn't be that high, but still it, it, one month loss of vacancy it changes your numbers. So plus if you, um, if you spend any money on the changeover, you know, you're putting exactly. a little bit of money in there and then it sits for a month and then it sits for two months. And then what's ironic is a lot of them try to go around the realtor and the MLS early on so they don't have to pay a fee. Mm-hmm. And then I think they probably come to the conclusion like, well, I guess we have to do that. And so now not only has it sat for a month or two, now they're having to actually account for a fee, you know, 40% of the rent or whatever it's going to be to yep. go towards an agent. And so it just kind of snowballs, I think. Um, but then yesterday we went into one professionally managed. They had their own kind of custom lockbox, their own booking system. They don't use realtors. I mean, it's, it is smooth and nice. it was a great house. It, they had done a really nice job with it, you know, just all the right features and it felt safe and clean. Like it was great. Like, but I, you know, I'm going back to George, you know, I pictured like, this is a, this is a hedge fund rental. This is one that is yeah. by the numbers, just made, just designed to make money. And they know how to turn them and get them back on, you know, off the books on, you know, get a rent going. And so I'm confident what we were, the last one we went through yesterday was a hedge fund house because it was really, really smooth. So, yeah. um, so that's been a lot of fun. And then the other, um, the other part for me is, is finishing up the flip over at Mapleton. I listed on, Friday night, last episode, we talked, you know, Tavis, he doctor filled me and he said, you're going to speak it into existence (laughs) that you're going to list this house. And yes, you're going to list this house. And so, yes, I, it was a few hours late, but we did list that Friday night. We actually put it down as coming soon for about six hours. And in that period of time, it was coming soon. An agent reached out. They had been watching the neighborhood. She had clients that travel a lot. And she said, look, they're in town. They like the house in theory with the pictures. They love the neighborhood. Can we come look at it? First thing in the morning on Saturday, they went to go look at it. By noon, I had an offer, a really good offer. And 
we had several other showings that day and we just decided, let's call it, we're going to accept the offer. So seven o'clock on Saturday, we accepted and we've been working that since. So uh, super exciting. It, it went exactly how you'd want it to go. And we're in the option period. So I don't want to just completely, you know, assume it's going to go perfectly, but they've been a very reasonable group to work yeah. with so far. And their ask, you know, although detailed is not ridiculous, turns out when your idiot plumbers leave cast iron under the house, that and it's not my current plumber, it's my old well, they, plumber. It, it, to be fair, it wasn't. They left the trash. So they, they replaced the cast iron to PVC, but... They yes. were lazy enough to not take the cast iron out from underneath out. The, the cross space. Yes. So it really, I, I can't say that's going to hurt anything, but it looks like crap. And you got an it inspector like calling around that's like, why is all this debris and trash under the home? Well, and honestly, if nothing else, when they go to sell that house in five years, someone else is going to do an inspection. They're going to get into the house and say, what the heck? There's all this trash yeah. here. And they're going to go through the same thing. So at least that's we need to clean it out. The cast iron. <laughs> yeah. Hey, they can't argue that. <laughs> There's something to say about agents that pay attention to the details, uh, represent their client, and put together a, a really good and solid offer. Right. So it was very complete. Um, and there's nothing more that bugs me when, you know, when I sell a flip, I, I have a lot of documentation that's in the transaction desk, you know, and, and we kind of, you know, we put instructions to that and private remarks on MLS that say, make sure you, you know, you, uh, you would include all of these documents with your offer, right? And, and make sure, and I usually tell the agents that too, if they're going to send me an offer, like, hey, go to the transaction desk, there's a lot of documents. Make sure your buyer initials every page. Um, and that's just to make sure that nobody can say later that they didn't see a document, right? Um, and a lot of agents don't really understand that. They kind of see it and they look at seller's disclosure and they're like, oh, you just added additional information here for me to look at. No, have your buyer sign it. Like have your buyer initial it included in the packet. Mm -hmm. And it, it's just, again, being transparent, just given that documentation. And there, there's nothing more than ever, like somebody down the road is like, I think you gave me those documents when you when I closed, but I can't find them. You know, it's so much easier just to go look in your original packet or look in your DocuSign packet, right, when you sign the contract. And, you know, in that might be, obviously, the seller's disclosure, but might be engineer reports. Um, in your case, it was, you know, you have the remodel disclosure that basically says, says you're buying a remodeled property. It's not brand new. Do your due diligence. Don't use a, an existing inspection report. You know, all these different things just to ensure that um, they understand what they're getting and they understand your role in this situation. Mm -hmm. uh, but anyways, uh, first off, that, that offer was complete. With all those documentation, yep. with all that documentation, it it was an over asking price uh, offer. Um, so they they influenced it there. Good option. A good period. A good option period, and um, and, you know, all the other terms made a lot of sense, right? It was very clean, very yep. very easy, and it was thorough. Even page nine or page ten was filled out properly. That drives me nuts too, right? It's just more of the detail work, especially if you get multiple offers. It's easy for me to kind of disregard the offers that are incomplete, or I've got to go back and send a one-page email of all of the mistakes that they made on a general contract that need to change. It's frustrating. Yeah. So in that, it was very clean, very simple. Um, 
very easy to to you know negotiate a few terms on your contract, but overall, I mean, the nuts and bolts were there. And yeah. uh, they even they had a you know a request in there for you to respond by five o'clock that day. So w- what that showed mm-hmm. me is they put their best foot forward. They're representing their client. They know that you've got a superior product. Their buyer loved it. And they didn't try to play games. They're like, hey, what's going to make this guy ink our deal today? We know that it just went live. We know that it's just on the market. They were there at nine o'clock in the morning. They had an offer to you by twelve. Like that mm-hmm. says a lot, right? So I'm like mm-hmm. you agents out there representing buyers, you know, learn from this. I mean, you can win offers, you can win bids if you pay attention to these kind of details and you put together a really attractive offer that makes a lot of sense. And then, you know, it, it, over COVID and the last couple of years with multiple offers asking for a response time of five o'clock that same day, it was rare if anyone was actually going to pay attention to it or really give you the time or day but in today's market okay yeah i mean we'll play the game we understand right like because you know it, it would be different if they wrote the offer under asking or just wrote it right at your asking price you know or something like that it would be a little different to to you know respond that way you but you may still bit. pick up the yeah. phone and go hey i'll entertain your offer but just to let you know like i've got showings all day today i've got an open house you know, I'm trying to get the most out of this thing I can, right? It would be a yeah, little different, right. but they, they put their best foot forward and uh, wrote a very attractive yeah. offer. So I know it was a little awkward for you because you're like, man, first showing, first offer. This is weird signing this deal. But um, yeah, but I knew they wanted it. You know, they they knew what they were looking for. They knew they wanted it. I knew that if we could just get the details worked out, I, I had a, a really, really good, you know, feeling that they were going to want to close the deal. And that at the end of the day, that's what you want. That's exactly you know, what you want. Give or take, you know, five grand here and there. It's like, what are we what's going to give me the best opportunity to move on from this pretty quickly? You know, and I didn't get the feeling that, you know, they were going to just come back in and hammer me on the request. It, so it, it's all worked out. You know, it, it definitely could have gone the other way. They could have just, you know, gone over asking. And then during the the option period, you know, hammered me on a bunch of stuff, trying to get the price back down. But kudos again to them for that. And, you know, to, you know, to say thank you for that. I'm going to do everything I can to try to address yeah. all the stuff I can without making a huge stink. You know, that being said is, you know, it's still a business and I'm, I'm doing the best I can. So, you know, it, again, it doesn't mean that you give it away. You still want to make a profit on this thing if you can, and you want to make it all make sense, but it sounds like, you know, yeah. it's a very professional agent. They're working through it. They're doing their due diligence. There's a few things that they found, for instance, you know, the, the plumbing underneath the home, uh, the old plumbing, the debris, but you know, you and I talked about that and said, you know, Hey, has anyone been under the house? Cause there's a good chance that mm-hmm. it, this yeah. is what you're going to find. Yeah. Turns out most not watching don't guys, like to clean up their, their own trash. I don't know what it yeah. is about that. It drives me absolutely <laughs> bonkers, especially plumbers. Yeah. Plumbers are probably one of the worst. I mean, it's just yeah. clean up the trash, dude. Stinking plumbers. It, it's yeah. more frustrating well, to me when on average I spend a minimum, typically, even on a tier one easy flip, a minimum is about $1,500 I'm going to spend in trash haul, meaning somebody's yeah. picking up the trash, taking to the dump. That's minimum. Yeah, they're not having to take it away. It's not. They have to walk it to the yeah. garage or the backyard. Just clean I mean, up, sweep up, put it in the damn trash uh, pile. You know, and yeah. don't leave it under yeah. the damn house. Now you're going to spend five hundred dollars for somebody to crawl around another home and pull it out and then haul yeah. the trash off. Like, 
come on, man. Yep. You know? <laughs> yep. So, you know, little details you learn and it's like, look, guys, I need you to come back and figure this out. That's going to save you, you know, $500, $600 on the back end. And it all adds up. You know, I've had them bump up closing five days. That's going to save me probably 600 bucks. Yep. So, you know, you, you learn little ways to save here and there. But speaking of pet peeves and really ruining your day, uh, our, our friend Tavis Westbrook has had quite a week <laughs> and um, he can't go into a lot of details. So I, I you know, because unfortunately, uh, when lawyers start to get involved in things, typically, you know, they they need you to go ahead and do your part and and not ruin their fun and, and put a lot of stuff out there for uh, other people to grab onto. But Tavis is always doing deals. He's always talking to people, trying to sign paperwork and get things moved through the pipeline. And so why don't you take us to kind of the high level of, of the pro- maybe how the process should go and how the process went and uh, you know kind of give us just the basics of, of why your week kind of went a little south for a few days. Yeah, I think, you know, I'm, I'm a big advocate of, of ethics, transparency, and integrity, right? Just doing the right thing. And, you know, we had a, um, we had a property that, um, you know, the numbers didn't make a lot of sense originally. Well, the original offer that I made was countered. And basically, the, the counter gave us the opportunity to look at the wholesale side versus the flip side of it. So we, um, we looked at this property and, um, you know, this, this lead actually came, um, uh, from, from a sphere, uh, contact of mine that was an agent and, uh, let them know, Hey, we're, we're going to wholesale this property. And, you know, it, it, that's probably the best strategy and here's how this is going to work. And here's the numbers. Anyways, we get all the way down to the 11th hour, the day before closing, and the end buyer that's supposed to perform, the end buyer, the end investor, doesn't perform and basically says that they didn't have the capital, they bought another property, and therefore wasn't able to perform. So in that, you know, basically they're in default, earnest monies go back to, you know, uh, the parties involved. So anyways, that's kind of the way it went. So um, we just said, hey, here, here's the situation. Here's what happened. I picked up the phone, called the agent, said, you know, this is unfortunate. Uh, this deal fell apart, yada, yada. Um, you know, it's unfortunate, but these things happen. And so, you know, everyone's a little disappointed, obviously a little frustrated. And then uh, we talked about another scenario that might work um, where I could be back in as the principal buyer and buy the property to flip. And so we had that conversation. We negotiated terms and, you know, kind of changed strategy up again and, um, you know, had a verbal agreement and said, okay, let's go forward. Well, uh, within about 72 hours of that happening and um it shame on me because it wasn't quick enough i was traveling and i uh, wasn't quick enough getting a new contract over and executed um the end buyer uh decided to kind of circumvent everybody and went around the original end buyer yeah the, the original guy, the end buyer was about. on the, the wholesale end buyer investor uh, decided to go around everybody and uh, get a hold of the seller directly and kind of make up a story and, um, you know, basically tried to go direct and cut everybody out. 
you can't get into it too deep, but essentially that's a no-no. Um, you know, the, they knew exactly what they were doing. Uh, they tried to kind of play dumb. They made the seller kind of feel sorry for them. And it took a lot of work on my side uh, to be transparent with the seller, be transparent with the referring agent, and uh, just kind of explain exactly what happened and what the terms were and where it was to, to really try to get this thing back on track. So, um, yeah. But, you know, these things happen. Uh, they happen more more than often, and that's one of the risks that you have when you decide to wholesale a property. The unfortunate part is if you are a buyer and you're, whole, and you're buying a property that is, you know, provided by a wholesaler, you're paying a convenience for that, right? Like, that's, mm-hmm. that's part of the understanding, you know, but you get these end buyers that get greedy that look at it and go, well, I'm not happy with the you know, with the interim buyer making money on this deal. That's the way it works. Any kind of wholesale business out there, right? Whether it's, you know, a wholesaling, uh, you know, that the people you buy groceries for that, you know, that the grocery store buys things from a wholesaler before it goes to the retail shelf, you know, um, as an end buyer, you know, wants to go buy groceries, you could go past the, you know, you, you could bypass the grocery store and go directly to, to the supplier, for instance, or the distributor, you could do it, but it would take a lot of work to be able to do that. They could buy it at a lesser price. Right. So therefore you, you pay a retail price that has a markup on it that, you know, the middleman makes money. Well, and wholesalers are, they're, they're getting paid to go out and, you know, kick the bushes and try to, you know, get stuff to fly up and go, you know, try to figure out the, they're, they're, they're doing a lot of the hard work and, you know, a little, little, uh, plug for our interview coming up this next Tuesday, Mark Fuller, who, you know, has a great system for finding properties. You know, he's made a living sending out mailers and trying to find the end seller, the seller that's distressed that needs to sell. And he spends a lot of money and a lot of time sending out letters and and he's consistent for years on end, putting this system together to try to find people that want to sell. Now he keeps a lot of them and he does his own flips, but he's wholesaled in the past because just sometimes it just doesn't work out where this is, you know, something that you need in the moment. But he puts all that work in and there's a lot of individuals and companies who put massive amounts of effort to go find these people and then they they market it to their buyers list. And there's guys like me who, you know, I've purchased from New Western before and New Western has thousands of buyers on their list. But New Western is out there, you know, they're kicking the bushes and trying to see what flies up and trying to look under rocks to say, Hey, do you want to sell? Do you want to sell? Do you want to sell? And when they find somebody, they market it to their, their buyer's list. And so, yeah, when you try to cut out that middle person, um, you know, it, it's not, you know, of course it ruins the day of, of anyone involved, but especially if you're dealing with an individual wholesaler, like that could really, really mess them up and they can't, you know, they can't, probably can't pursue legal action and all that well, stuff. It, so it's in the, it's just how the system works. It's in, it's in the agreements, right? Like it's in the agreements not to do this. And I mean, again, it should just be a known fact is you don't do this. You're, you know, that if you're buying from a supplier, that's a wholesale deal, you know, that, you know, the wholesaler is going to make money, but the convenience is they're, they're giving you a deal that's wrapped up with a bow around it that is bought at the right price. That's a solid deal. There's not going to be a lot of back and back, you know, back and forth because the deal's already contracted with a seller. So that part's already secured. So when you say, Hey, I want to buy this deal, you know, it, it's a solid deal. 
you know, I mean, Ashton, you, mm-hmm. you know, Mapleton, you bought for me, you know, it's like I had the deals mm-hmm. locked up with the seller at, at a certain price. I made a small fee on it, you know, selling to you, but you knew that it was solid with the seller. There was no monkey games. It was just a matter of you getting your, your numbers together and being yep. able to perform on your side. And now you've got the opportunity you got the house, right? And you didn't have to That's spend, right. you know, $10,000 a month and, and mail outs, you know, to get that lead, you know, mind you, or 10 years building up relationships with agents that bring you deals, it, you know, it's exactly. like there's, it, it, there's a price to all that. So anyway, I mean, it's, it sucks for you guys, you know, and, and I hope it all irons out. This will probably be the last time this specific end buyer gets into business with a lot of wholesalers in town. Once, you know, people learn how, how they do business. So, but it's unfortunate. I mean, there's a lot of risk in there. There's a lot of risk on reputation. And that that's probably one of the biggest things that stings more than anything is just, you know, the, the reputation of the, of the person that's direct to seller, um, but what can happen there? Because you look like an idiot, you know, you look like you don't know what you're doing when, mm-hmm. the, when the deal blows up and it's because you're putting your trust in mm-hmm. an end buyer to perform and do what they say they're going to do. So, um, anyways, these things happen and, uh, it's just something to be aware of. You know, I mean, Mark talked about it a little bit in his podcast of, you know, spending twelve to fifteen thousand dollars a month in marketing and uh, having to wholesale uh, to basically offload some of those leads. Uh, he had too many leads, so he was trying to figure mm-hmm. out how to make those leads become valuable. And he kind of touched mm-hmm. on it just a tad, and I knew what he was getting at. But he goes, you know, it's one thing to not only manage the the uh, negotiation with the seller in the contract, but then you're also dealing with an investor buyer that you're negotiating on that side with when you are the wholesaler. And he's like, it's, it's, it's too many problems. You know, he's like, I don't like it. (laughs) Yeah. It's a good plug for, uh, on Tuesday, we'll come out with uh, another, uh, real estate heavyweights university. We're interviewing Mark Fuller. He's a flipper used to be wholesaler wholesales every once in a while, but mostly keeps his stuff here in Plano, Texas. He does a lot of business. He's got a lot of nuggets in that interview. And we would love for you to tune in for that. We're going to keep bringing you interviews um, of people that we work with that, uh, you know, have really got their business down, just old school real estate guys. And so if uh, you can tune in for that, if you haven't listened to the interview with George Roddy, you've got to listen to that. Great stories there. Keep coming to you on Fridays with uh, as much market updates and information and news as we can. And uh, try to just keep you keep you going in the real estate business, especially here in DFW. If for some reason you have a house that you just can't even imagine putting on the MLS because uh, you can't sell it, it does not it's not going to appraise. It's a hoarder house. It's uh, it's got foundation issues, or you, or even if it's great and you got to sell it super fast, please let us know. Tavis is out looking at houses all the time, putting offers in, trying to to do deals. I'm finishing up with Mapleton, and I will be in the market really soon to try to uh, do something else. And so please reach out to us. I'm Ashton Hines on Facebook, the Dallas Real Estate Guy on Instagram, where I I worked this morning diligently early to get our YouTube uh, channel up. And so we're we're working on getting those videos out there. And so you'll be able to find us all over the place. Tavis, you can find him on Facebook and Instagram at Tavis Westbrook, Travis without the R, Tavis Westbrook Designs. If you need help with uh, designing a space, doing a renovation, you just want someone who's been in the business a long time to give you some tips on how uh, you should, you know, knock the, knock a wall down here, move this around here. He's got all those those tricks, and it looks awesome because they can do it on CAD, all the fancy Chip and Joanna stuff you see on TV. They can do that. Please tune in on Tuesday, and until then, 
We hope you have a great day. We'll talk to you soon. Later, guys.